0: is empty except for one man still driving and striving as fast as he can the sun has gone down and the moon has come up and long ago somebody left with the cup but he's driving and striving and hugging the turns and thinking
1: of someone for whom he still burns he's going the distance he's welcome to talking giants presented by john boy Media I'm your host bob skinner here with my co-host Justin Pennick. We got a, a, a jam-packed episode. We got a lot of mailbag and voicemail questions. We're obviously going to talk about Daniel Jones and the greatest of all time returning. A little special quarterback we may know of, you know, never, never, literally never miss. We'll talk about him. Justin, what's going on, my man? We're in first place. We are in first place. The, the Eagles lost. We have the tiebreaker. We are a first place, po- we are a first place podcast. How are you doing,
2: man? Hello, Bobby Skinner. I just realized I'm wearing a shirt that is tough on the eyes for the YouTube crowd because there's lines in this shirt. So if I move back and forth, it looks like there are no lines. It's just red. So it, it's messing with my mind as I'm talking. It'll probably mess up with yours as you look at me. I'm doing well. We are in first place. Still a little anxious about Daniel Jones, but also not as anxious because we still don't know a ton. But first place pod. First place, Giants. I love it. I'm in. A, I'm in a good place.
1: Yeah, man. I mean, it just the last month has been positive, which is nice, man. I mean, it's it's just it's been a lot more enjoyable, and I've probably never been more negative after a game with this podcast with that Bucks game, and then ever since it's just been it's been all positive vibes. So,
2: hey, but uh, who 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 said it? Who who said it on? I'm not sure if I said it on the podcast because that that would be a bold take. Because sometimes you get you you feel more, um. You feel more courageous on social media. But I had a very calming tone after that Bucks game. And then it led me to tweet on November 11th that in three weeks, the Giants are going to be in first place. And lo and behold, the writing was on the wall. You haters like you didn't see it, Bobby Skinner. Haters like you, losers like, no, that's that's too, that's too far. It's too far. I went too. I'm sorry.
1: We are a winner. Po- we are a winner's win podcast.
2: First place.
1: Yeah, we got a lot to get to. Before we get into that, Justin, this episode was brought to us by some lovely gentlemen. We got math. We got Mister Chris. Mister Chris on Twitter, you know him. Um, he's been he's been supporting since like day, literally day one. Um, yep. Luciano Feoli.
3: Hmm.
1: You want to know what his nationality is? Spanish. Um. Nope. He's actually Norwegian. Um. Just Anthony. Um, no last name there. What's going on, Anthony? We got Alex Casanova. It's a Carrie Underwood song, like Cowboy Casanova or something. Yes, yes, yes. What yes. does Casanova mean? I,
2: I, I couldn't tell you on the top of my head. It's one of those words that you think you know what it means, but then when somebody asks you for a definition, um, you could a yeah, Casanova. I, I, I'm, I'm looking at the definition. It's a record machine we're going to get can't demonetized.
1: Stand Underwood. A man known for deucing women and having many lovers. Women were terribly go. charmed by him.
2: Oh. I didn't know the definition cuz that couldn't be me.
1: Alex the Casanova. Daniel Bliss. Ignorance is Bliss. Daniel's pretty ignorant.
2: What are what are what are these great <laughs> last names? I love it. <laughs> I don't know. It's
1: almost like they're making it up. Do you remember <laughs> when we first started Patreon we weren't very happy with the numbers? And we're like, all right, we to promote it because it was the off season and it's like we're not really we weren't gaining new listeners at that time. And I remember we, we were like, all right, we're just gonna start making up one name every podcast to say join Patreon so people yes. will join. <laughs> we were using famous people's names too. I can't remember
2: what they were. Do you remember one of them one of them was Shania? No. But um do you remember over the off season, in order to I think get reviews and whoever wins a shirt, I picked names out of a toilet. Yes, I do remember that. I don't know. That was funny.
1: Off-season talking, John, this is way more fun. I'm just going to be real with you guys. Um, Peter Guglinski. Oh, boy. And I'm not even trying to mess around right now.
2: G-I-N-G-E-L-E-S-K-I-E. Guglinski. 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 That's my guess. That's my guess. And then Steve Brown. That's an easy one, Stevie Brown. How about that? Mm, former former giant, great. After I think, I think it was a uh, Will Hill. He didn't pay his child support, and he was doing some marijuana. And then I think Stevie Brown came in after that.
1: It's really gonna bother me to know if I can't remember that fake name that we were using, and we kept on using like famous versions of it. Mm. It's like wow, that's crazy.
2: <laughs> it's tough. <laughs> All it's right,
1: tough. those who are who are these um Cracker Jacks.
2: Oh, Cracker Jacks. We're thinking of different adjectives or or nouns every week. These wonderful people went on to patreon.com backslash Talking Giants for $2 a month. They gave their support and they gave their uh, parts of parts of themselves to us to see the shows live as we record them. They get access to the podcast as we record them. They get access to uh, some shirt raffles. Chris Mickle just won a shirt. Who was the second person that won a shirt?
1: Um. Uh satoshi guacamole oh, right. the the our 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 favorite um avocado
2: yeah he he likes me doesn't really like you all that he, you listen to the first
1: you. eight minutes of the show and you're like these guys are just weirdos it's like yeah, it's, they're talking about right. fake names and listeners that are you know um avocados yeah. do you have the issue of you always want to call an avocado guacamole because i have that issue
2: yes no i i think it's think it's a mandela effect issue but those wonderful people, they went oh, to Patreon.com backslash.
1: Guys. See, now and we're a Mandela Effect podcast. All right, let's get through this because we are a Giants podcast.
2: Patreon.com backslash Talking Giants. We recently just reached 100 patrons, so thank you. Uh, I think it's kind of crazy that you know, in relatively a losing season, it's been a winning month, but it's been a losing season. The fact that over 100 of you want to give support um, in that kind of way where you're giving us even a penny is kind of cool. So thank you. Let's continue to grow it even more. Bobby Skinner, we got a lot of things to get to.
1: Don't talk to me. Talk to Steve from Blues Clues.
2: Mail Melta.
4: Mail the mail's here. Come on. Bye guys. Here's the mail. It never
0: fails. It makes me wanna wag my tail. When it comes, I wanna wail.
1: Alright, thanks, Steve from Blues Clues. Justin, let's get to the mail.
2: First question is coming from Gazman, Superstar, Gazman Superstar at GM Superstar Two. When Alex Tanney throws us to the Super Bowl, will we trade Daniel? Hashtag One Hundred Percent, Hashtag Perfect.
1: There's one more question paired with that, Justin.
2: And one more question that is paired with that is Mr. Brownstone, friend of the program. Remember when people thought we would have a top three pick in the draft and people wanted to draft a quarterback? Now we're in first place and praying Jones can play. Suck it, losers. Hashtags nine and seven run the table.
1: Let's talk about the Daniel Jones injury. It seems like he's going to miss Seattle for sure. Every, I mean, everything points that way. They're yeah. bringing Alex Tandy back in. Um, although they're starting, there you know, we are talking about how teams aren't using, you know, having a quarantine QB. It seems like that's what Alex Tanney's role actually will be. Um. So you have Tanny, they're bringing in Joe Webb. So, you know, there's an idea that he will be used as a scout team QB as we start to face some of these mobile quarterbacks. Ooh. And Kyler and Lamar. Yeah, um, He won't be in time to, you know, scout for Russell Wilson. So, But anyways, Daniel Jones is going to miss this Seahawks game. And, and we'll get more into the Seahawks game on the Friday episode. But, I mean, it sucks. And I hope he's back for Arizona. Even if he's not 100% healthy. I know everyone says, like, oh, we got to get him 100% healthy. That's not how football works. That's not how athletes work. That's not how Daniel Jones works in, in particular. I mean, he came back two weeks after a broken collarbone at Duke and was practicing and throwing the ball. If he is able to go, he will play against Arizona. It's not like last year where we were out of the hunt and, you know, he may have been able to play that Miami game and it's like, well, we're going to give Eli one last homestand. You know, we're assuming a lot there. If he is able to play, he will play versus Arizona. Yeah. I don't think he's playing this week, Seattle. But if he is eighty percent, seventy-five percent, and they're like, "You're good to go," and just we're not going to, you know, use read options as much, then he should play. He gives us the best option to win by a wide margin.
2: Yeah, I 100% agree. You know, there there are times where football players are not 100%. Even if they may seem like they're 100%, you know, seasons long, uh, bodies wear and tear. Uh, Daniel Jones, it's actually funny how Daniel Jones was talked. It's not funny. Nothing about this is funny. Makes me want to cry. But Daniel Jones was talking about during the bye week and how he, you know, how he approaches the bye week. He was saying this year, my main priority is to rest my body and to, you know, get some bumps and bruises uh, healed up and and straightened out. So, you know, that was his priority going into the bye week. So we don't even, you know, you don't even know if there could be lingering things Happening, you know. We always hear about the oh, this guy's getting off-season surgery. We didn't even know that he was hurt. Those things come out all the time. So we'll um, have that this year, probably. Yeah, odds odds are. So stinks, stinks. Out. Al- you want to talk about Alex Tanney coming back? How excited you are? Well, let's talk
1: about the franchise QB for a little longer. <laughs>
2: okay, okay. I- I'm excited. I like talking about the the franchise leader in completion. Percentage. I love Alex Tanny
1: as much as anybody, but the first six minutes of this episode. I think I feel like we gotta get a good five minutes of, of real takes before we start falling over Alex Tanney.
2: Here's a question. Here's not a real take. Hey, but it's Joe Judge, you never know. Could Golden Tate be benched again because he's gonna be used as the scout QB because he can run and throw the ball? Possibly. Joe Judge.
1: Possibly. <laughs> um Jones, man, he played really well against Cincinnati and it was you know, on third down when they were forced to move the ball downfield where he got seventy percent of his yards. He was nine for ten on third down. In fact, I've been doing the Daniel Jones third down videos for the last six weeks. I wish I was doing, I wish I did the whole year. Just an idea I've had at the six week mark. The last six we- games, Justin of of Daniel Jones, he has been completed seventy seven percent of his passes on third down. I mean, on third down, the money down, he has been really damn good. And the last three games, I get he didn't finish the Bengals game, but it's been three games in a row with zero turnovers. We talked about it. Can he figure out like start to master this Jason Garrett offense? And we both said yeah. And I don't think we're going to spend too much time on Jason Garrett today, but I mean he's starting to figure it out. And but this you still see like the stick play, and I said this on the Monday episode, should be eliminated from the playbook. It's not worth yeah. the risk. It's too dangerous. It is it is our most dangerous play, and it's to get five, six yards. So Adjust Joe Judge, you know, continue to put his hands on this offense. Daniel Jones is the best deep ball thrower in the NFL right now, uh, passing rating wise.
2: Passer rating wise, everything is nuanced because he has also a, a very low attempt numbers as well. But it's been so going this, up the
1: last few weeks, you know. And
2: s- sample size is important. Sample size is important. And
1: he, but I mean, he's delivering every time, base every time he's delivering. Yeah. And the numbers, I. I, I wrote it down, you know how I did the, you know, so I'm updating the numbers on my whole, like when they throw, when they have two routes to go 15 plus yards, you know, like I yeah. did that whole study. So I updated it with this week and this past week uh, on those throws, he has four for six, 71 yards, 11.8 yards per attempt. And one of the, yeah. one of the misses was the Darius Slayton drop. So it right. should have been five for six with a hundred, you know, 40 yards and possibly a touchdown with 20 yards per attempt. Every yeah. time. He throws the ball downfield, it is going well. He it basically, yeah. And that's that, isn't that what, like, all offseason we talked about? What we love about him is like he is so accurate down the field. Dying like Danny Dimes isn't a nickname just because it sounds good, it's because he actually dimes the ball downfield.
2: I kind of hated that little cliche way that you ended that. I understand this is uh, this is this is sports radio, you got to do it. The so I had um I had my friend um I want to get his Twitter handle right analytics underscore NYG, NY giant stats and analytics anytime I think of something because I'm not good enough at the computer program R to look at the the R NFL next gen player uh player data and to just put all of this on like graphs and stuff. So I have my nice friends who are smart enough to do it for me. So I had the theory and I talked about this on and I talked about this on Sunday about how the Giants faced 21 third downs. Daniel Jones in the first half faced 11 alone. And I looked at well I had, you know, what the Giants analytics stats and analytics page what he made up for me and then what I what I'm looking at right now is the Giants only three times on Sunday threw the ball further than 10 yards past the sticks. Actually, they had no attempts, but and this is air yards-wise, air yards between 10 yards and 20 yards past the sticks. Everything was 20-plus yards. One was the Darius Slayton incompletion, the other one was the Evan Ingram attempt, and then I cannot remember the other one. There was I cannot another remember Evan Ingram one. There was another Evan Ingram completion that was on the left sideline instead of the right sideline. So, yes, you are correct. Um, That was it that was that was it. there was no passing attempts that went past the sticks 10 yards only 20 plus yards. So even though we're not you know again this isn't a garrett thing you know Jones could be missing things and we don't know but when an offense is facing cover one and man coverage 40 percent of the time and when teams are blitzing at such a high rate, you would think taking more chances would make sense and we're just Bobby and I were just continuing to pile up data and examples of why Garrett makes us want to rip our hair out. Um, I know Every every Garrett defense, we kind of...
1: We've been Mythbusters this year, and we're going to get to yeah. it later in the podcast, but we have been Mythbusters with Garrett. And I kind of... Like, I made that Garrett video last week, and someone was like, every time I had a rebuttal, you just kept on, like, killing it with your next point. So, yeah.
2: that's and good. we don't mean to, like, intentionally, like, just crap on him and, and hate on him. No, I you want know, it
1: to work out. Like... I,
2: I, yeah. We're rooting for it. I mean, we have won three games in a it. row.
1: I'm not complaining. I'm I'm very happy, with right? How this team has been playing. Well, um, we
2: we we can talk more about it because I feel like we we have a voice. We have a good voicemail about it that we can talk a little bit more about it. Okay. All right. Um, next question. Next. Oh, actually, Alex question. Tanny. It it yeah. feels
1: good to have him back. I know we joked, but I was legit happy to have him back. Um, he's gonna be a coach one day. It's 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 just nice, you know. As many Alex Tanny jokes as we've made. Um, I, we've made so many jokes that I'm actually attached to the guy. So I, I was very happy to see him back. He's coming home. The King returns.
2: I, I, I'm still very attached to that, uh, Dunlavy report that he put out about early, earlier in the year on Alex Taney actually being very influential to Daniel Jones last year. And that's part of the reason why I thought that he was going to make the main 53 is because, Maybe they do have like this crazy attachment where Jones really does rely on Alex Tanning.
1: I would love to pick his brain one day. I mean, he was he was he has a very unique If Daniel Jones is the franchise QB, he has a very unique perspective. He's like yep. I was in the QB room with the past and the future at the same time with the yep. New York Giants. Like that has to be kind of crazy, so.
2: Yeah. All right, we ready for the next question? Yep. Hot dog at 0 hot dog 0. Dog as in DAWG. What happened to the old bridge guy? I am guessing he is referring to somebody who is very famous on the show who left a voicemail on a bridge.
4: Hi, this is Gordy. It's been a while. You guys are still doing great. I'm in Oneonta, New York, uh, sitting here looking at the hills. I'm wondering if Dave Gettleman did so well this year with free agency. I mean, we got some really good players. And uh, the past years were so bad. I'm not a Gettleman fan. I'm wondering if maybe this year the reason that was so good, the free agency, had to do with Joe Judge, and, I, and he's the man. All right, just wondering your thoughts on that. Take care. Bye bye.
1: It's good to hear from uh, Gordy. Um, he, he, you know, he was a he was a fan favorite. Like, um, if if you if you're new to the to the show. I changed the voicemail recording, like, hey, make sure, tell us where you are. And like, not just City, like, what you're actually doing. He's like, it was after a loss, and he's like, I'm on a bridge, <laughs> thinking. And then he called back, and he's like, hey, guys, I realized that my voicemail sounded kind of suicidal. Uh, <laughs> so Gordy is is a is a fan favorite of Talking Giants. That but was, he
2: hasn't called back after that, though. This yeah, is the first like, time that he's we,
1: calling back. Did, did we offend Gordy? Like, you, you never know, you know. Um, but Gordy is back, which is very glad to have See, so, anyways, his question about Dave Gettleman, and we'll stick to did Joe Judge have an impact on free agency? Um, we have a bigger picture Dave Gettleman question next, which we'll get to. Free agency, you know, we try to not speculate on this stuff, but free agency, absolutely. I mean, we talked about it. It was almost a little worrisome. It's like every single free agent had a tie to uh, this coaching staff. Every single one. Every single one had a tie to the coaching staff. Whether it was the third string QB and Cooper Rush or, you know, Cam Fleming. You know Blake Martinez, Kyler Fackrell had you know connections to like every single one had some sort of connection to the coaching staff. And it's like oh, are they picking favorites? But in reality, I mean, this was as good as a free agent class as you could have for the New York Giants. So yeah, I, I do think Joe Judge had a, a good amount to do with that.
2: But also, I feel like the Giants and part of what has frustrated us about the Giants in years past is that they have done exactly that kind of approach. Kareem Martin was a former Arizona guy, and we gave him a multi-year deal for a a good chunk of change for a guy that we never heard of. Antoine Bethea was a former Arizona guy. Marcus Golden worked out, former James Betcher guy. Um, So there was a lot of guys. Red Ellison was a former Pat Shermer guy. However, we signed Red Ellison when Ben McAdoo was here, so that doesn't necessarily apply. But we've made some moves In the past that are like, oh, this is just an Arizona, this is just a Betcher retread, this is just a Shermer retread. When this year, you know, and then it's Joe Judge, oh, but it's worked out, so we like that approach. So... I don't know if it's exactly Joe Judge, because the Giants have kind of done that formula before. But, but not, I also I also don't blame coaches who want their former players because they know the system. But it's not a formula of just get players you know. It's get players that you know can
1: play good. You know, like I, I don't think it was just, oh, I know this guy, let's get him. I think it's like, hey, like this is why this player is good and, and sell like get and that's where Dave Gelman comes into place. Where it's like, all right, sell him to me. Tell me why he would fit into the here, and it's not just simply nepotism of you played with this guy before
2: so so we could have a theory that unlike former off seasons where it was Betcher and Shermer selling their former players to the general manager but Shermer really never got anybody right but it was uh, so let's just stick with Betcher then because Betcher got a lot of his guys
1: even with Betcher, though his players were low contract players so like I get that because there was a lot of air er- like
2: but you're still investing in starters for that year that's the thing Kareem obviously, Martin
1: was, like he was very Kareem Martin and Mora were very like, I mean those were like no like backup contracts they got. He
2: still they still signed him to a three year deal, Bobby. They signed Kareem Martin to a to a decent chunk of change to do little to nothing.
1: The little to money? nothing.
2: It they signed him to a I can't tell you the contract on the back of my hand, but they signed him to a multi year deal to do little to nothing. Um, so. But my overall point, and this is this is how I am trying to spin it pro Joe Judge here. My overall point is, you know, maybe the coaches do have a little bit more control than we think because James Betcher is pitching bad players. Joe Judge is pitching good players to the general manager. There you go.
1: Yeah. I mean, and you think about Arizona, like we didn't get their best player. We've honestly got like the worst players on their roster, you know? Right. Where it's like, you know, Blake Martinez was, you know. Like, the, the main player for that Green Bay Packers. Actually, Darius Smith probably was the main player. But, yeah. while, while Graham was there. Uh, and then, Ebner was obviously brought over for special teams. Um, I mean, we're not going to go through the whole free agency list. But, he, he free agency was knocked out of the park. Even Camp Fleming, who was the one free agency pickup where you're like, eh. It's like, well, he wasn't even brought in to start. Like, he was brought in to be the backup tackle, which, I mean... For a guy who was brought in to be a backup tackle, like Cam Fleming kind of like Cam Fleming isn't playing below my expectations. You know what I mean? Right.
2: Right. Absolutely.
1: So, so like even like the bad one, it, it kind of makes sense, even though I'm gonna tie it to um Dallas. Anything that has right. to do with Dallas stinks.
2: Gordy, it was great to hear from you. I'm glad you're okay. I'm glad you're calling back. I'm glad you're still enjoying the show. Glad you're enjoying the Giants. Um <clears throat> Bobby, we ready to move on?
1: Yeah, next question.
2: Next question. We have a mailbag question from Topher Pete. Topher Pete,
1: 629.
2: When? When the Giants, not if, when the Giants win the division, does Gettleman keep his job? Is his job already safe? This has been a complaint since he has been here. The moves he made and guys he drafted are working out. Just want to hear your guys' explanation on why or why not. Bobby, I also believe we have a voicemail to pair with this. Hey
0: guys, it is Matt. I'm in Connecticut and I'm calling from against my basement, which is my office. Uh, First of all, victory! Victory! Um, Secondly, my question was, um, at this point, can we agree that Dave Gettleman has no more talk of being fired in the offseason? I mean, considering his draft class this year was awesome, and all the free agent signings have been far better than anyone expected, I think it's time to uh, let him off the hook. Thanks. Bye.
1: Now, Justin, I uh, I was on the fire, Gettleman train like not too long ago, and I'm not I'm not like a quick to like pull the trigger. Like I'm 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 usually a pretty patient person. But John Mara did say one we want to be playing meaningful games in December, and but but let's let's even throw that out. Even though we are in first place, it is because the division sucks. The second half of the season, we have been three and zero. If we can win two more, that's five and three in the last eight games. And this is the only thing I think Dave Galman needs to say to John Mayer is, did you bring me back? Yes. You you saw what I've done and you brought me back. Yes. What have I done since you made the decision? I have knocked everything out of the park. Everything. We just talked about the free agency. The draft, Thomas has been really good lately. Uh, McKinney, you can't judge yet. Parrott for a third round pick has been awesome, especially if was supposed to be a project. Darnay Holmes. I mean, Darnay Holmes just had his best game for the New York Giants. A a fourth-round pick. We may have our nickel corner. Shane Lemieux is starting. And he's been, like, he's getting better every week. And he's, like, I thought he had his best game this past – maybe best game passing once. You know, there's some stuff there. Hell, our sixth and seventh-rounders are are impacting the team.
2: Nick Gates was undrafted. (laughs) Yeah. So –
1: The other side of that, though, is like, okay, the some of the 2018 decisions are looming larger. You know, like, hey, Mm -hmm. if we were gonna cut, if we were gonna trade JPP to sign, you know, to trade for Ogletree, it's like, well, we like we could use JPP right now. You know, so, but honestly, that's all he has to do, though. All he has to do is go into that office and tell John Mara, "Look what I've done. Look, look, you made a decision. What has happened since that decision?"
2: I think beating a team above 500 needs to happen. It needs to happen (laughs) towards the second half of this season. I've done some wild stat digging today, and what I found from Football Outsiders based off of their defense value over average measurement metric is that the Giants have faced the toughest number one competition in the NFL on the offensive side of the ball. Giants offense has faced the toughest toughest competition in the NFL on the offensive side of the ball, but the Giants defense has faced the easiest competition in the National Football League. Yes, we've played the Bucs. Yes, we've played the Rams. Yes, we played Dallas when they were good, but the overall point of how football outsiders measures strength of schedule is they basically average all of the, the DVOA ratings of the offenses together. And when you include how bad Washington has been, how bad Philly has been, how bad the Bears' offense is. When you include all of those games kind of together, four, five, and six games is against the Bengals, and that's just on the top of my head. Six out of the 11 games that we've played were against very subpar offenses. You also have to take that into account, and we didn't win a single game of a team that is above 500. We've played very well. And I have respected the hell out of the Giants, playing tooth and nail to teams like the Rams, teams like the Bucks, etc. But we do need to win a game against a team that is above five hundred. Yeah.
1: <laughs> a few weeks ago, my answer was Daniel Jones has to play extremely well down the stretch. The touchdown, the touchdown interception ratio bothers me so much. Like that needs to be fixed.
2: Which, by the way, Daniel Jones is playing well, and I think Bobby, you agree with this because we've been talking about this. Daniel Jones is playing well, but he is still not putting up like, starting caliber numbers in the NFL. His EPA has been above average, but the He's production— putting together
1: really good film, though.
2: Yeah, that. but also the production that you are expecting out of, out of an NFL passing offense is just not there. It's not.
1: We're also not letting him, though, you know?
2: Correct, and that's that's a Garrett problem. Yeah. But they're not going to think of it that way. I hope they do, but they're not going to think of it that way. Beat a team above five hundred.
1: I agree. I agree. I, I'm trying not to get lost in the moment. Um but you know, a, a thing I said is like at, at some point you have to judge the record and it's like, well, now we're starting to win games. I don't know. I'm I'm happy right now. So as of now, I'm saying he knocked out he knocked 2020 out of the park. Yeah and I'm cool with that. So
2: if they get to six wins, if we if if you were to tell us that the Giants finishing record in twenty twenty at the start of the year was six and ten, I think we would take that. I think we would and we would be like okay now i don't know i think maybe some people would be split on whether to bring back gentleman or not but if you sprinkle in two wins the at the worst through the through the end of this season because i will tell you what i know the browns are a better team i feel like that loss would sting and losing to the cardinals would sting cuz those are two teams that you feel that you can beat even though they are above 500 and then definitely a loss to the Cowboys would stink. Like oh yeah, would, a Week Seventeen that, Cowboys loss. That would just absolutely stink. Yeah, um, we'd have
1: to miss the playoffs. We would yes, have to miss that, the playoffs, and, and we'd have to feel bad. You know, we right. couldn't have this feeling right now. So, right, like I said, um, that's why you make those decisions. That's you know, you don't make those decisions in season
2: for the most part. Right. What do we have next? We have we a have... voicemail
1: from Eric in Naples who calls after that's the right. game and just basically gives us like a hype speech.
4: New York Giants. It is Eric in Naples, every time I call right after the game. Seven beers in, 1917. Here's what I'm gonna say. Go G-Men. Really worried about Daniel Jones, don't know how serious the injury is. My father is an alumni of the University of Texas, so I knew Colt would come through in the end, and he did. I don't know what the, what the heck happened to Darius Slate in this game, but he did nothing. But here's what I'm gonna say. This is a game where when you've got a guy like Bobby who tracks film incredibly and you've got a guy like
2: – It's going to break my heart.
4: Holy – I'm forgetting names here. Just Sorry. forgets my name. Uh, you got a guy like Justin who does analytics well. You throw out all of that this game because this is a bull trash game where we dominate the game, we give up 130 yards offense, and we barely win 19 17 So there are plenty of things to look at and go, you know what? We're terrible. But it's a win. It's three in a row. We're four and seven. We have a chance to have a lead in the division. So let's go positive. New York Giants, Leonard Williams, one sack, one fumble recovery, and the Gallmanites dominate. I'm seven beers in. I got the number to the waitress at the sports bar. Let's rock and roll. On to Seattle. Peace
1: on the Seattle. piece. I love it. He he gets me hyped up. So, yeah. I mean, I'm I'm hyped too, Eric. We just I we just talked about Dave Gettleman, which is like very serious. I'm hyped back up. Let's go Big Blue. Let's murder Seattle. Let's go in. If you see a Seahawk in the sky this week, shoot it out of the sky. Let's go Big Blue.
2: Next question. Next question. It's is from Carlos at Arlos Lugo. Everyone agrees that Judge, and I believe he's saying Dave Deguglielmo. Deguglielmo. Oh, I thought it was DeGugielmo.
1: No, it's Coach Googe but it's Deguglielmo.
2: Everyone agrees that Judge and Coach Googe taking over the offensive line is responsible for the incredible shift in both run blocking and pass pro, but what specifically is being done differently to account for so much improvement in such a short time? As tape guys, what changes stand out on film? Bobby, I'm letting you run with it first
1: let's let's ask you this were you worried that we may have ran with the Joe judge took over the O line narrative and that it it like it was not as impactful as maybe we thought before this no. game No I was. I was like, is that just a media talking point and we just ran with it because it sounded awesome? I was worried about that but the offensive line looked a lot better. I mean Thomas. They're really just, like, teaching him to protect the inside. Like, and uh, you know, won't get technical, but it's just like, hey, be ready for them to attack you inside. And that's what he's done. He's trusting. He's athletic enough to where when they do go around the edge, he's able to, you know, play well. In this past game, man, I get it was against the Bengals, but Carl Lawson's a good football player. And he just, he, it was the most calm and smooth he looked. He was ready for everything. His feet were calm. His hands were calm. And he just looked very calm against a good player in Carl Lawson. Um, and then when Carl Lawson wasn't in, it was just dominant, like stalemate kind of stuff. With Gates, I do think Gates is just kind of getting better, <laughs> you know. Um, I yeah you know, the, I don't know, like I don't I don't know what you know how there's like an argument about their technique. I don't know what that technique was. I do think there there is an emphasis on finding work. If you saw Lemieux on one play this week where he had nobody to block in the pass game, he went and just like just going and looking for guys. Gates had a few pancakes. A few. He had six, dude. I was getting so excited (laughs) watching him. And there was a couple more where it was debatable if he he did get some pancakes. They're identifying the mic in the run game, and they were staying on double teams longer into linebackers.
2: It's it's a bunch of little stuff, and it's working really well. Quick question about Gates. Don't have to go too far deep into it. At this rate, do you think he is progressing enough to become an above-average starting center for the Giants, or would you be... Would you be Would you be totally okay if the Giants went and got a center for next year and moved Gates to guard?
1: I would be okay with that because you know Gates probably be a little more comfortable. Like guard is just easier than center. Guard is the easiest position on the offensive line, but he's already an above average center. And honestly, the Pittsburgh game was bad. He was fine versus Chicago. There was, I think, the first Washington game. He, I can't remember. I think it was the first Washington game he had some bad plays. He has been a good center for the New York Giants all year. He gets the most pancakes every game. He's solid. In the, he like. He doesn't get a ton of one on ones in the pass game, but he's always looking for work. He's not just sitting there with a thumb up his ass like for, um, some centers that have been on the team. He's consistent. He moves guys in the run game. He is an above average center. And I got so mad when PFF was ranking him bad, and I will never use PFF grades. People were like, well, they're saying he's the 30th in the NFL. If he's the 30th center in the NFL, the center position is in great hands with the NFL right now. He is an above-average center. Like I said, I'm not going and watching every center game and every center um, play, but you know, I watched Spencer Pulley and Halapio. I didn't even like hate Jalapio, um for you know because I, I kind of just had the, I feel like I had the right expectations for him. He has a big upgrade over them, and he's an alpha
2: male. There you go. I love it. I love it. Any any other thoughts on the old line? Because we have uh, this. Will
1: Hernandez, Shane Lemieux. Yeah. like Shane Lemieux is progressing every week, but Will Hernandez is good when he plays, and <laughs> it's a, uh, it's a. Uh, well, we got a question about free agency later. I think I'm going to bring up some of those points later. So
2: yes, but one of the other questions we and we touched on. Parrot. We touched on uh, Fleming. Uh, I think we even have a Fleming, we have a Fleming question in a little bit too, that would, which will lead us to a parrot Fleming conversation. But Paul Nones, hope I said it right, Paul. I'm sorry if I said it wrong again. Um, Paul Nones wants us to rank the tackles from this draft class now that A.T. has turned the corner.
1: are If we're going just still by the whole season, I would go, Beckton makes it hard because of the injury. But say he's not injured, you go Beckton, Wills, Thomas if you're going by the whole year. If you're going by just the last month.
2: And a lot of people would want you to include Werfs into that even though he's right. I, I don't watch
1: Werfs. And and okay. I saw people that don't watch all these tackles were like, tra- like not trashing Thomas today. But like, you know, film guys were like talking about, it, about Thomas. And it's like, they're clearly just going off the PFF grades. So I don't want to be that guy who talks about players I don't watch. Um, So talking about the three. Now. I honestly would say Becton three and Thomas has been consistently better than Wills in the run game all year, all year. Even when Thomas was struggling, he's been better than Wills in the run game. But the fact that Wills has been consistent in the past game, I'm still going to pit Wills one Thomas right behind there too. And then Becton that's just for the last month. If we're going by whole body of work, I would go, I would go Becton, Wills, and then Thomas because Becton's been good, and he just he's just he's a he's a he's a mauler in the run game. But Wills is the most like confident and consistent out of all of them.
2: But I think you, some may argue that Thomas could have a higher ceiling because Wills already is kind of at his ceiling. Wills, because is, ta- he
1: Wills had- is tapped out, like, and that I know we've said this a million times on the podcast. That's what frustrated me with the whole like. Oh, Thomas is the most pro ready, but he has like the he doesn't have the he has a low ceiling. I was like, I was like, look at these guys' pros and cons, and tell me which one is more room for upgrade. Will's pros where he's like his technique is perfect, but he doesn't really maul in the wrong... Like Will's to me, like his technique was like good, and and th- even then he had worse production than Thomas in college. So that's why I was Thomas over Will's. Although I did like Will's a lot, I liked Beckton a lot. Worfs, I didn't like a lot, and, and I'm looking dumb on that. Um, or at least I am from what I hear from people. Where am I going with this?
2: Where are you going with this? Uh, Andrew Thomas has been improving, and that's fun. That's where you're going.
1: That's fun. That's fun. Um, Let's see. We
2: have, a, we have a, a, a voicemail question from Dan in Staten Island.
1: And I wrote down Cam Fleming, but I don't feel like this is about Cam Fleming when I'm looking at the transcripts. What is going on here? Oh, that's why, because that voicemail is from over a week ago. Here's the there real question from Dan from Staten Island.
0: Hey, talking Giants. It's Dan from Staten Island, New York. Just a little follow up um, for the offensive line. Do you guys think that maybe it's time to uh, it's time to bench Cam Fleming? I think I already asked you this question weeks ago, but but back then I think you said that Matt is not ready. We are now past week twelve, and now I kind of think he is ready
3: solely because
0: like Cam Fleming just keeps messing up left and right, and I don't think Matt Burt's gonna mess up as much. Like, he might he might get like a penalty here and there, but not as much as not as often as um Fleming, because then also if we do that um take him out and then maybe just maybe we can take out Zeidler, because I don't know how good is doing this year, but I know Lemieux's doing great. I I you guys you guys um buff him up a lot. You know, like with compliments and everything, so I love to see that. And then that would also help out Will Hernandez um not being benched, but I don't know, it's just a thought. Go Giants.
1: I I want to talk focus mostly on the Cam Fleming point there. I've been on the like, hey, let's start Matt Parrott, and then Matt Parrott got COVID and it's, it seems like these guys are kind of, like, still, like, I mean, I don't know anything about coronavirus. Like, I don't have it. I don't, you know, I I, or I haven't had it. COVID fog. Yeah. Co- like, supposedly that's kind of, like, a real thing. um So, like, can Matt Parrot come back and just start a full game? Like, supposedly Gano was having, like, a fog from it. So, and he's only doing the kicks. So, Parrot if we're just going off of, like, if you just eliminate COVID,
2: yeah, I think it
1: would be time for Parrot to start for me.
2: I agree, I agree. You know, if it's work, we <laughs> we thought Shane Lemieux was going to be a total total project, um, even more than Parrot, and Parrot was actually getting playing time and he was looking okay and he was looking decent. If Matt Parrot can be better than Fleming in the run game, and maybe a little bit worse and just the same as Cam Fleming is in past pro start Matt Pair.
1: Yeah. Yeah. 100%. I'm, I'm right there with you. Hopefully he can get better and, and from whatever, you know, the COVID, yeah. COVID stuff. All right. Stinks. Stinks. Because,
2: you know, we, we talk about these guys being world-class athletes, but also at the same time, they are human beings. Jeff Boyd at the Boyd Wonder. Boyd. If the season were to end today, what position would be the best to fill if there's only enough money for one? Premier wide receiver, cornerback, guessing cornerback two, edge, or a different one?
1: So he's talking about getting a premier player, so this is more of a hypothetical than it is a realistic. A premier edge, would I feel like, would put this defense on the next level, but then you get a premier corner... And it's like, well, then we don't need the edge and we still do this rotation and get some guys, you know, that can rush the passer. And then premier wide receiver is like, we need to get that wide receiver for Daniel Jones. So what I'll say is I trust Patrick Graham, get Daniel Jones as wide receiver.
2: Yeah, I I agree. Um, I'm more okay with developing an edge rusher that we can have for a long time. The next great Giants pass rusher. I am very much okay with developing that guy if it takes him a year or two to really to really get you know his sea legs under him. And hopefully, you know, this is not a guy like, you know, we're not talking about drafting Lorenzo Carter in the third round or the second round or O'Shane Zimenez in the third round and them playing forty-five percent of the snaps and getting three sacks their rookie year. You know, if you draft a, a top-tier edge rusher in this year's draft, he's playing the majority of the snaps and maybe he's getting you five, six sacks that would be the hope that would be that would be a, an a hopeful expectation so he's still producing even though he wouldn't be considered a top tier edge rusher and he can develop into that i think getting daniel jones a premier wide receiver is the most important need that this team need that this team has heading into this offseason because this giants offense is still a below average offense they're getting they're getting there in terms of becoming average they are still a relatively bad offense and I I am not I'm not a hater. I'm just a guy that's I'm trying to remind you yeah. all that yes we're wa- we're we're watching this team. We're appreciating the improvements, but still even when they're performing well, they are still not producing like an NFL offense should. And getting a wide receiver in here that can just ball out and that can ball out from day one that doesn't need a year or two to develop would be. The most beneficial thing that this team can do. I don't think Jordan knows how to
1: function without a top wide receiver. I, just, I mean, you think about it, like how how that year changed when they got Amari Cooper. He had Dez Bryant for all those years, even Terrell. Oh yeah,
2: oh they were they were bad. They, that's a great point. They were bad without Amari Cooper. Terrible. I, I, I just don't think he
1: knows how to operate without that top receiver. That's why it's like we it's like when people are like the Air Coryell. It's like we literally run the opposite of the Air Coryell.
2: Yeah, it's not looking deep and then coming back. That's, it's the opposite. It's almost like a west coast. Nah, it's
1: it's, it's almost like a wing T. Um
2: Oh, yeah, cuz we're running cuz we keep on we keep on lining up in rushing formations. 13 personnel. Oh my god.
1: All right. Uh next we got a voicemail from Zach in
4: Virginia. Hey guys, this is Zach from Chesapeake, Virginia. I'm calling from my house. I'm curious, our current roster has a couple holes that need to be filled uh, for next year, but what spots do you anticipate having to address due to departing free agents? Or do you think we're going to be able to retain most of the key players whose contracts expire after this year? Thanks, guys. Go Big Blue. So
1: I was thinking about this question. Think about the possible free agents. Say you lose Leonard or Dalvin. Well, you got B.J. Hill there. You got Austin Johnson. You got R.J. McIntosh, who I like, and I actually think he may be on the roster because they might move on from one of those guys. You move on from Kevin Zeitler. Well, now you got Shane Lemieux and Will Hernandez. You move on from Logan Ryan. You can see Xavier McKinney filling into that role. Really, any of the guys who can move on from this year, we kind of have the replacement. doesn't mean you're going to be playing at the same level, but it's like, all right, this guy comes in and fills in at that spot. doesn't mean I want to move on from any of those guys because depth is important um and those guys have all been playmakers. Kevin Ziegler's not, not a playmaker, but he's really good. So there's not like a there's not like a if we lose this guy, we have this huge hole, you know what I mean?
2: I will say and this is somebody that we take. didn't really give we didn't really give credit to, yeah, if we yeah, that'll be a big hole. Um but Joseph in the Patreon chat right now, um we didn't give this guy credit on Sunday, really. Because I think we've just been recognizing the brilliance of Patrick Graham in covering this spot up. But um, Joe in the Patreon chat said, we already have a cornerback too. And if you think about it, if we lose, I, I would say... We have a
1: question about him later, though.
2: We have a question. But I would say, losing losing Isaac Yidium or Yadam or Ryan Lewis, that would kind of be... There are at least very, very good depth pieces at this point. Um, I'm not worried we'll, about will those save, guys. Hey, but... You you mentioned other counter arguments for why it would be manageable to lose to lose, to lose some other pieces and more important pieces, but um we'll talk about. But you wouldn't I lose
1: them. About, you wouldn't lose uh Yadon without like having someone that you feel can be an upgrade there and not. No, spend absolutely, money. absolutely. Like we but, can spend two million dollars and like we upgraded a cornerback too.
2: No, absolutely. But uh, I we we'll save if we have a question about that. I'll I'll save some of my thoughts uh for that then. So and, and we, research what do we have Rick next?
1: in the chat says Austin Johnson the free agent 2021. But like you could see him coming, like you could see him coming back on another like one million dollar deal. You know.
2: Yes, he's actually been good. Which is I, I I ripped him apart. I didn't want to see him ever again after that Bears <laughs> game, after that Bears game where he was on the field and. He allowed, basically, Montgomery and Cohen to just run right by him on that final offensive possession. I was like, I'm done. What is he doing? He, <laughs> but he's actually been really good. He um, I
1: actually When I went to go watch the defensive film this morning, so I popped it on, and I accidentally went to the third quarter instead of the first quarter first. And then I was like, is Austin Johnson and B.J. Hill the first defensive tackles playing in this game? What the hell is going on? <laughs> and then I realized it was the third quarter. That uh, was like, are you right. serious right now, Patrick Graham?
2: <laughs> All right, we're gonna have to hustle through the 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 last parts of these of these questions. Tim Coffey. Okay, we keep talking about the signing of Tommy Ryan and Lion O. I have no idea who T- Tomlinson. Tomlinson.
1: <laughs> oh, it took me a second. Tomlinson and Logan Leonard.
2: Ryan and, and Leonard. Okay, that's what I thought. But with his fifth year option coming up, do we think about signing him long term now, or wait for the new year and an assumed higher cap? His fifth year is about $7 million. Whose fifth year option Peppers. is he talking about? Peppers. He's talking about,
1: about Peppers. I, I use context clues. Oh. Yeah, I think Peppers will be extended in the offseason. Yeah. It it would make sense. He wants to be here. We should want him to be here. Peppers is my favorite player on the defense. Makes plays every single week in different ways. Peppers. I think he's earned it. Oh, yeah. Peppers needs to be back. He's Should I say it?
2: Are you gonna say he's your favorite player on the Giants?
1: No, I'm saying he's so much better than Landon Collins.
2: Oh well, remember there in was a there was way. a guy that was there was a guy that was ripping me apart over the summer because I said that, and uh, maybe I got to do that deep dive.
1: Man, you when I believe in a guy, I believe in a guy, and Peppers is one of those guys. Gates was one of those guys. Um,
2: you're just saying you're just really pointing out how smart you are. That's what you're doing right now.
1: Yeah, and I ignore the ignore the times I'm wrong.
2: We have a Dexter Lawrence voicemail.
4: What's up, guys? Matt Gilroy here, Patreon member calling from New Hampshire. First-time caller, big fan. Uh, got a question about Dexter Lawrence. Haven't heard his name pop up too much, kind of at all. Uh, Leo talk, all Dalvin talk. You know, what what are we expecting from him, considering Dalvin might be on the way out next year? Haven't heard much about him. You guys are watching the film. Uh, how should we feel about him? Thanks, nice guys. Good
1: question. Dex makes those plays. Like, he makes a couple good plays a game, you know. He's not the overall dominant force, but also like he's, there's some players where it's like, Hey, like you, you know, at at certain positions, like year three is when we really judge you. I mean, look at Dalvin. Um, he didn't pop off until year three. So, um, Dex is playing good. He's not playing great. He's not like, Oh, this guy's dominant. Um, supposedly Quentin Williams is like dominant for the Jets this year, which, you know, that would be a flip of the two where it's Like last you know, going into this year, you'd be like, Oh, Dexter Lawrence, better than Quinnen by a big time um so he's been good he's been solid he's not blowing you away he's not like wowing you but i think he's been solid for the role he's in um and i think next year is the year to really expect him to like ball out
2: yeah i mean it's it's him and tomlinson that are basically it's a flip of the coin who may be getting more snaps than any given week um, research Rick, who absolutely I- I've, I've been, especially this week, he's been just been putting out so much good information. So thank you. It's, uh, his Twitter is at, um, S C L T underscore N Y, um, NYG fan in Charlotte. Um, Dexter Lawrence played 11 out of the eight, eight out of the 11 third down snaps versus Cincinnati. So it's also one of those things. If you're looking at Dexter Lawrence's production in terms of his stat sheet, uh, if you're not getting, if you're not playing on a lot of third downs, and if it's like, whoa, it's surprising that you're playing most of the third down snaps, then there's a good chance that you may not get a lot of pressures. There's a chance you may not get a lot of QB hits. There's a chance you may not get a lot of sacks. Um, but one of, the, and clearly, somebody's liking Dexter Lawrence. And typically, people that don't like Giants players at Pro Football Focus, he's the highest graded Giants player on the defense. If you if you put any any kind of stock into that. Sure. Um. He's been filling his holes. Uh, that that's one of the main okay. things I think. What what this what this defensive line has done well is they filled their gaps. They filled their holes. So guys Call like Blake gaps, Martinez. When you say filling
1: sorry. their holes, it just oh yikes! I mean, I, that's you what know she what said. What you're doing. I know you do.
2: That's what she said. Uh. Yikes! I'm glad I did it. When they when they fill their holes, when they fill their All gaps, right. um, Blake Martinez is able to insert himself into that hole. <laughs> Thanks voicemail.
4: Talking Giants. What's up?
0: My name is Joe Moyam. I'm calling from Hoboken, New Jersey. a question for you guys.
3: In my opinion, this team's going to go as far as our worst player is going to take us. I'm thinking Devontae Downs out of position early in the season. I'm thinking Ryan Lewis, burnt toast over the top late in the game versus Dallas. And I'm going to say, there's been a lot of talk about our cornerback two position this year. I'm going to say, I think Yadam is not our worst player. I think he's played well the last three weeks he gives up that touchdown last week you can look at the tape gives up a catch on a little dig route but he has played well i'm curious what you guys think about him and i really enjoy your guys content in the age of a fragmented market for content you guys do a really good job keep it up
2: wow that was
1: very deep um cut this out of the podcast this guy i don't like this guy i think he's an idiot
2: whoa who?
1: This Joe this guy who called in. Cut this out. Don't don't leave this in the podcast. I just want to fragmented say that. market. No, I'm just kidding. He's in the chat. I wanted to scare you and be like, dude, you're oh. trashing someone that's in the chat. What are you doing? Uh,
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: no, I just wanted to um mess with Justin. What's going on, Joseph, in the chat? Here's the thing.
2: Uh Yotam has been playing all right the past couple weeks. He's actually under contract until twenty twenty one. Thank you, research, Rick. Uh, he just comes just comes in clutch all the time. Actually, under contract until the end of next year.
1: If he's not the worst player, then who is? <sighs>
2: um, Devontae Downs. Oh. Oh. <laughs>
1: but even then, it's like, and we'll talk about middle linebacker too in a second. Downs isn't playing a lot, right? If Devontae Downs was playing like he was to start of the season, I
2: would agree. But also you you kind of need somebody to be your worst player. Do, do you understand what I mean by yes, that though? Yes, I get that. And this is uh, so this is part Yadam where he actually had some pass deflections this week. He actually he made some some nice plays this week. Now against Seattle's going to be a very big test. Very big tests, and we have well, we keep on alluding to things that we're going to talk about and when we're already 55 minutes in, but we're going to be talking about Seattle. We'll even talk about it on Friday if we don't have time, but very big tests. So this is going to be the biggest test that Yadama's had to face this year, but the brilliance of Patrick Graham is that you can afford to have a player that maybe, you know, you don't, you don't want a bad player in your defense, but you can afford to have a player that's, that's average or below average because... Graham what Graham does and Bobby you could speak more to this but I intentionally watched defensive film this week because I wanted to solely look at because I can only look at one thing at a time because I'm stupid what is Graham doing to disguise looks to change looks strive to drive what is he doing and you know some things that I saw he would he would have cover he would turn cover two into cover three where Bradbury would drop back, he would be close to the line of scrimmage. It would look like they're playing cover two when they were playing in the sh- they were playing shallow, and then Bradbury would drop back, and the two safeties would also drop back. You have cover three. Um, how many times we see per game? You probably count maybe the time on one hand, times on one hand, where you have a defensive lineman that's dropping back into coverage, a big boy, Dalvin Tomlinson, Dexter Lawrence. And in years past, you're like, what the hell is a defensive coordinator doing this for? But this year. It's legitimately throwing off a quarterback it throws them off <laughs> and they're actually doing a good job getting out there yeah and then also one one other thing one other note that I want to that I just want to bring that's tying in analytics a little bit in my opinion the reason why NFL offenses and quarterbacks that have played the Giants do not throw the ball deep down the field against us and we have not allowed big explosive pass plays it's because NFL quarterbacks they're getting confused. They're confused and they don't know what they're looking at pre-snap. It changes post-snap, and then you want to be conservative and you don't you don't want to throw the ball deep and you don't want to throw the ball downfield when you don't know what you're looking at. That's my big theory, and based off of my analytics and then my film study, what I found this week is that quarterbacks just don't know what's going on, which is good. Yeah,
1: um, and that's kind of my point. Is like I think I I, I think finding a replacement for Yautem and, and Yautem should be kept. Obviously. I'm not saying to cut him in the off-season. But, like, I'm not like he's not he's not doing anything to get me to be like we don't need a corner we don't like we shouldn't go get a cornerback too. So I mean I, I'm I'm not mad at y'all. But I mean we were having the same conversation about Ryan Lewis like you know right. two months ago.
2: Yeah, yeah. We'll see after this weekend's big game, <laughs> very very big game because he's either going to be lining up right next to Metcalf or Tyler Lockett and buckle up. Um. So Paul Nonis is asking about. Linebacker middle linebacker two thoughts on middle linebacker 2 didn't see a lot of take Crowder, but I'm guessing he's getting as, but I'm guessing he's getting eased back in.
1: Yeah, I think they're easing him back in. I mean, him, him downs and Mayo basically played the same amount of snaps. Um, And I know you pointed it out. Uh, And this is actually, hey, you know, we pat ourselves on the back when we're right and ignore it when we're wrong. We called this before the game. It's like, I bet you with Kyler, you know, with the outside linebacker depth issues. That they're gonna be using like Crowder and Mayo like on the edge some, not necessarily to just rush the passer, but just to kind of fill that gap. Yeah. Um, he was good. Mayo was Mayo was pretty was pretty good. Crowder looked in that role um, too. Confident there. Daniels kind of sucks wherever he is. Um,
2: is that the famous off ball linebacker term that we always hear? What about it? But you know how we heard the term and we were using the term off ball linebacker during the draft process yeah. was what David Mayo was playing, which is basically no. an, inter- an interior linebacker that's lining up by the tackle. Is that what we mean by off ball linebacker?
1: No, what that would mean is like when we are talking about Zach Bond, where it's like he could play both. Okay. And
2: then Carl Banks says
1: like. Can't. It was like, an off ball linebacker.
2: Like that's, being snarky. When when Carl Biggs asked that, I was like, you know, Carl, that's a great question. It's I, not a I great didn't...
1: question. It was a snarky question, trying to make fun oh. of new age people who like like oh. new terms in, in football. Like, is this a stack I- linebacker? It's like Carl, it's just a scouting uh term to differentiate pass rushing outside linebackers who are just the di- to differentiate between O'Shane Zimenez and and Blake Martinez. That's what is there. So you're not just calling them linebackers, Carl Banks. Sorry, I'm biased. Uh, Carl Banks still follows me. I love Carl. I do, but and he would admit it. He can be really snarky and condescending sometimes. Remember when I talked about Julian Love being like, like I did a video of like, hey, there's this rotating zone where you just change people's like cover, like you run a, co- a former cover three, but you got this guy playing this role, and Carl Banks is like. And and I was using an example of Betcher. He's like, oh, this is Betcher. Um, let Patrick Graham do this. It's what Patrick Graham does like ten times a week. So, but,
2: I think Carl Banks learned. By the way, he has not interacted with anybody. Well, in he the he's me. barely, he's barely even tweeted about the Giants. So I think he's me. learned. He doesn't like me anymore. I'm gonna ask him to be mean to me again, <laughs> so then he can give me pity pity retweets again. I love. I miss that. <laughs> he can be really condescending sometimes. He was mean to me, so then he gave me pity retweets. That's what I think it was. I don't think he actually genuinely enjoyed what I was tweeting. I think he's like, I was a real asshole to this kid, so I have to retweet him. <laughs> hey, but it helped me out. It got me like off the ground, kind of. So that was pretty well, cool. See,
1: he like he did real retweets of me, which was like cool, and then he did like the condescending ones, and then opposite of like the reaction you got, where it's like, why don't you stop being mean, Carl? I fired back and be like, no, like I'm 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 right on this, Carl. And he didn't like that. Um
2: We have a voicemail on Garrett, we need to get to.
1: <laughs> I love Carl Banks. Um, it's so weird we're talking about like an all time giant like that, but that's what happens when you go into like media and stuff.
2: He's a good friend of ours. Yeah,
1: Carl. Carl's gonna we're gonna get Carl on the show eventually. And, I, and I, I can't wait to talk to him about this. Like this is that's this is this is question number one for Carl. Like, how much do you enjoy dunking on the dummies like me and Justin? All right. Love you, Carl. And I just closed out the voicemail.
2: Wow.
0: Talking Giants, what's up?
4: My name's Joe I'm calling from Hoboken, New Jersey.
0: He's
1: back.
4: Got a question for you guys? In my opinion, this team's going to go as far as our worst player is going to take us. You already, we already <laughs> listened to
2: this voicemail. <laughs> I was like, oh,
1: buddy. he left he left too? What am I doing?
2: Nope. We already listened to this voicemail. It's about Jason Garrett. It's our friend uh, I was like, did, I call, did I make a joke about someone else being dumb and they're going to be offended? Nope. Liam.
3: Here we go. Hey, guys, uh, it's Liam calling from my bed. And I was just thinking, um, I think the Seattle game could be the one game where Jason Garrett's conservative play-calling style could actually benefit for a Giants victory. Here's why. Uh, We know that Daniel Jones has not benefited from Jason Garrett's uh, play-calling style because Daniel Jones has succeeded solely when he throws the ball 15 plus yards to the sidelines, and, and that's just a proven fact. But if Daniel Jones is out, which is a high possibility, I think that Colt McCoy's playing style really fits Jason Garrett's conservative play calling, because if we run the ball heavy and throw these short the short slants and the screen passes and the checkdowns, that actually could keep our or well it will keep our offense on the field for the majority of the game which keeps Russell Wilson off the field and keeps our defense fresh. And when our defense has been fresh, we have won games, and that's just plain simple. I think this is the one game where Jason Garrett's conservative play calling can actually benefit and cause the Giants win. So I don't know. I, I just – I'm, I'm excited. I'm not excited because I know Daniel Jones is going to be – is probably going to be out. But all I'm saying is don't rule out the possibility. I'm I'm optimist I'm optimistic about this game. So, anyways, let's go, Big Blue. Let's go win the freaking division. I mean, and, and after that, let's go win the Super Bowl, and let's go win the next one, and the next one, and the next one. Let's go, Big Blue. Liam,
2: this this was this was a wonderful voicemail. I love the thought that went into this, and I love the theory because it was something that I thought of preseason as well. I was like. Let's own the time of possession, like how this Giants roster is kind of shaped is winning the time of possession and with the weaker defense, you know, not putting the defense out on the field as much as how we're going to win. So Liam hits the nail on the head in terms of how it works in theory, but this is where Liam is unfortunately very wrong, (laughs) very wrong, and this isn't meant to be mean, but and you wouldn't think this is how football works, but how the Giants 2020 season is working is they are an above-average team in time of possession per drive. The Giants are holding the ball and moving the ball. Well, moving the ball, wait on that. They are holding the ball for an above-average rate. But their yards per drive and their points per drive are still bottom quarter of the National Football League. Bottom quarter. And that, overall, those three points, that is why I say that the Giants' offense is yearning for explosive plays because explosive plays put you on the other side of the 50. They put you in the red zone and they make you score points. We saw it this so that's week. number one besides, well, we'll look at this week. Look at this week was a key example. Yeah. Whenever, whenever we did have a big play, we put points on the board.
1: Exactly. So, I mean, the touchdown was because of Ingram. The <laughs> and a field f- goal. The field goal was, be- um, you know, was because of, uh, you know, the big play, to- other play, the big play to Ingram. Yeah. Big plays are what made us win the game.
2: And you're losing, and you're possibly, lo- and you're losing another seven points because Darius Slayton um, had a ball go through his fingertips. Even though that drive we were driving, and Engram fumbled, but still, that's also that's that's also a key point that when you have plays of nine, ten, eleven, twelve plus play drives, somebody's bound to mess up eventually. Whether it's an official throwing a flag for holding, whether if it's an offensive pass interference, whether if it's a sack, whether it's a turnover, somebody is bound to mess up eventually. That's why the sooner you can get in the end zone, the better. But with the Giants defense, even though the Giants offense is holding the ball at an above average rate, the Giants defense is still top 10 in the National Football League in most uh, in the highest average time of possession per drive. So even though the Giants are holding the ball for a decent amount of time, the defense is still allowing chunk little, little itty-bitty chunk plays, and they're still allowing the chains to be moved. The Giants are a very good red zone defense because they're allowing field goals and not touchdowns, but... That doesn't change the fact that they've had trouble getting off the field. And that has been a year long problem. And also, doesn't matter how much time you give Russell Wilson to score, you can give him fifteen minutes to score, or you can give him two minutes to score or thirty seconds to score. Russell Wilson's gonna find a way to score. So while I respect Liam's theory and it's very well thought out and I agree with it, it's just not the reality for the Giants in twenty. We're
1: mythbusters when it comes to Jason. Jason Garrett <laughs> listens to like our pods and he's like, damn it, they hit on everything. <laughs> damn it. Um I mean, we know Joe Judge listens. By the way,
2: yes, we do. We have Liam voicemail, and we have Eric has two. Let's skip the questions.
1: Eric Bradbury um, Metcalf question for the pregame. Like we're, we're going to talk about that on Friday's show. Perfect. And then oh,
2: let's. We have two funny questions. Two funny questions. One. Our first one is from Zeno at Red Yeti Nine. Can you remember where all the talking Giants listeners are grateful to be Giants fans from around the world? And this is in reference to. Our Instagram stories, which absolutely just went off the rails from this, like, long weekend that we had. on Thanksgiving. On Thanksgiving.
1: I was just like, what are you freaking thankful for? And it, like, turned into some jokes. And then, like, people are like, like, like said I'm thankful to be, like, from this country. And then it just turned into, like, what country are you in? And then, like, some people...
2: Giants were, fan in Brazil, Giants fan in blah, 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 And I just Giants started fan.
1: doing, like, references, like... Denmark. I did a picture of Mark McGuire in Alliance Den. Um, you know, someone said Kazakhstan, they were setting me up. Thank you for the softball. I did the, you know, Borat Kazakhstan is the greatest country in the w- that probably was the most shocking of Borat uh one it was like he got into that rodeo and saying that all other countries are little girls and it literally made a horse fall over. That is why the first Borat was funny and the second Borat sucked. Um, I mean, there was a, I I really can't remember. I there was I mean there was a ton. It's a blur. It was all a blur. People were you, like you, borderline you, offensive. I mean it was fun.
2: We probably had about fifty Instagrams, probably even more. You know what? You know when you click onto an Instagram story and you have to go uh, press, press, press 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 press. That was our story about for you had to press seventy five times to get through everything. <laughs> it was fun. I was I was having fun with it. Our last thing that we have is a voicemail well, from you Patreon member Eric Feldman's other mailbag question. You, we skipped. Oh the... crap! Um, I got it. I got it. Better call Gaul is a better nickname than Wayne Train. Discuss. I don't like how demanding that was, but we'll discuss it, Eric. <laughs> I don't think it is. I I mean it's clever, but uh, like discuss. What's What's more fun to
1: say, Wayne Train or Better Call Gaul? just Wayne Train. It's simple. You don't need to know a TV show. And Saquon Better, called him Wayne Train on Good Morning Football today. Better Call Saul is not a great show. It's not. I couldn't it's not. I mean, I didn't get watch into the it. whole thing and I was a big Breaking Bad fan. Yes. I only watched like the first 7 episodes and if you hit me with like, "Well, after that it's good." It's like, "If I the first 7 episodes like why do I have to watch 8 episodes or something before it gets good?" Um yeah, I mean I was I just didn't think it was a good show.
2: Most spinoffs I suck, agree. Let's be real. I agree. I'm glad we both agree on that. There's not a lot that we agree on. We live very hey boys, different
3: lives. It's Chris Mickle calling Sunday night, feeling good after the win. First place, NFC East. Just wanted to give you guys a shout out. Feeling a little sappy tonight about the talking Giants community and just the Giants in general. So psyched to be number one. Hoping that Danny Dimes is back and ready to go for next week. My nephew wanted to say something too. Go ahead. Hello, you talking
1: Giants. Giants. You. <laughs> Giants are. Man, think about how much happier talking Giants is this year than it was this time last year. I mean, what week are we on?
2: Twelfth. No.
1: We're on week th- 13. That was, let's see, 17, 16, 15, 14. That was the Green Bay game. Oh, yuck. And everyone's Daniel like, s- I'm not going to this game. I'm not sitting through. I didn't go. Green Bay, you know, (laughs) filled, uh, you know, uh, David went.
2: Didn't David uh, Powis go to that game? David Powis went and he was miserable. I think we recorded after that game. That was the first game ever in my life where I had tickets and I was home in New Jersey. Or no, I was able to go home if I wanted to. And I just said, no, I was home in New Jersey because I think it was around Thanksgiving. And I just said, no. I'm not going. I refuse. I'm not sitting in that. That was the first game ever. I feel bad now that I'm saying it. I'm glad I didn't go. Yeah. That would have been miserable.
1: Talking Giants has been fun this year, man. And I feel like we sent some groundwork. And now it's starting to take off a little bit. I'm feeling good. I'm happy. I love I love our, our chats. I, I'm I'm happy with where Talking Giants is at, man. Um, Not not complacent. Trying to take over the whole damn world. Yeah. Talking Giants versus the world. I, did you put that in your email, by the way?
2: No, because I sent the email after I forward it. No, before I forward it to you, so you got it after I sent it. Oh,
1: well, Justin was like was sending a very serious email. I won't to share what it was about, but was, I was like, the only thing with, I would change is some, end it with talking some giants vs. the world.
2: Yeah, it was it was with some higher ups in the world. So, um, yeah,
1: talking giants versus the world, baby. How about that?
2: How about it? We will see you Friday.
1: Yeah, we got one bonus bonus voicemail for Patreon. Um, we just can't play it on the podcast. Too, can't too much, play
2: it's not it's not family too friendly. Too much cussing. All right, not family friendly. We
1: appreciate you guys. Thank you. We're 30 ratings away from being the top Giants podcast, which is kind of cool. We are yeah. we already are the top Giants podcast, but we started like a year or two after behind people. Um, we are number one, and it's all because of me. No, I'm just kidding. Oh. Uh, usually, people, you know, let's be real. It's all me. No, I'm just kidding. Um coach Tolbert said something. All right. I'm going to stop reading the chat. Thank you guys. Seriously. I, I can be a sarcastic douche sometimes. Thank you. We appreciate you guys. We'll be back on Friday until then. Let's go big blue.